you for joining us wherever you are joining us from. Uh, if you're watching this live in our in our face-to-face -face Zoom room, um, or are you or you're joining us later in the recorded stream, we're, on, we're honored to have any of your time, and we pray the blessings of the Lord upon you, your household, your family, uh, that God would be with you, that He would be. Uh, sense of, in some way available to for you to sense. In other words, not just a kind of a, a philosophical deity somewhere, but a, a God with you, a, a God Emmanuel, a God with us, the hope of glory. And so we desire that uh, for you. Um, I'm going to teach from this subject the 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 uh, prayer as a weapon. Um, to think of prayer as a weapon. Uh, and how it enables us to make progress in our spiritual life and, and enables us to war against principalities and powers. Um, and I want to first of all say that um, I don't feel particularly worthy uh, to teach on this subject. I certainly am not uh, the in-house expert on prayer. I will say we are honored as a church to have people among us who are great men and women of prayer. And I consider it one of the blessings of my life to be able to pray with some of you. Um, and you may not actively hear, um, but if you are hear a response from me, but um, if you uh, were to listen to some of the conversation that, say, me and my wife would have later on in the day, you might would hear me bragging about you and about how much your prayer touched me and how anointed you were and how powerful you were. Uh, at least impacting my spirit. So I'm so thankful for all of you. I don't teach on prayer as an expert on prayer. I, I feel like I have uh, miles uh, to learn <laughs> and uh, moments to live. I, I feel like um, what I have to learn is so much greater than the time I have left to learn it in um, that I feel like I'm already at a disadvantage. Uh, that said, I want to tell you what you know. I want to iterate it and reiterate it. Uh, you know uh, that God responds to our prayer. We are challenged again and again in the scripture to be people of prayer. We are commanded as a declarative, as a commandment. We are commanded to pray. In fact, we're commanded to be continually in an atmosphere of prayer and I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like I am, I am, I don't know if it's fair to say I failed. Um, I don't know if that's fair. I think that's probably more of an emotion. You know, preachers have emotions too. <laughs> but I feel like the improvement that I could do to have a heart of prayer at all times is, is, is so great that I'm hungry uh, to strive for that. Um, prayer is a spiritual imperative. It is essential. That is not a word to be rushed past. It is essential for the work of God to be completed through my hands and feet. If I am not praying, the work of God cannot be completed through my hands, my lips, my uh, body. Um, I must be a person of prayer. Why? Why, why, why? Why should you care about prayer? Why should you think about prayer more than just its associative with religious lifestyle? Why should you be a thoughtful, reflective, and motivated in terms of prayer? Because prayer is the method by which God has chosen, hear me, 
it prayer is the method where by which God has chosen con- to connect the needs of the earth with the bounty, the abundance of heaven. He's chosen to connect that through prayer. Um, prayer is the the pathway that God has chosen. I didn't choose it. You didn't choose it. The great elders of the past didn't choose it. God chose it. Where the cry of earth is not simply wasted sorrow and forgotten tears, but it is a cry, a sighing, a hopeful reaching heavenward, a passionate wanting, a longing that is beyond logic, uh, beyond psychology, and is of a spiritual essence. Prayer is what God has chosen to move his kingdom forward through the imperfect hands, imperfect hearts of you and I. It's prayer. And if we are not people of prayer, there is no risk. (laughs) There is no opportunity. There is no chance of us being the active hand of God demonstrated, revealed, manifest here on earth. We must be people of prayer because the Bible will show us repeatedly that prayer is what connects the emptiness of our life and the neediness of our heart with the eternal majesty, glory, and power of God. It happens through prayer. Um, So, the, I could, I could, and sometime I have in the past, I may do it again, uh, where we go through the Bible and we just show example after example of people who moved heaven and changed earth by prayer. Um, there, there's a, there is a habit that we, uh, we modern minded people have, and that is the, uh, the desire to make of everything a formula whereby we can control it. Um, so much of what we do in the, the Western way of thought, um, the, the, the post-enlightenment mentality or thought process is even when we don't understand something, we will give it a label that allows us to file it away and pretend we understand it. And so I have been thinking about this a lot because I'm working on right now, um, I'm working on a a series on um, what the church should be saying, how the gospel, how the church, how the kingdom of God um, works in the light of mental health and mental health issues. Um, Mental health is one of the unspoken subjects. Um, It is the third rail of the tracks that people don't talk. Well, you guys know me. I want to talk about it. I want to be as authentic as possible. I want to be as transparent as possible. I want to talk about it. Well, as I have studied in preparation of this, I have had emphasized to me so deeply and profoundly, it stirred me um, just how uh, little we know about mental health. And our only great success with mental health is dampening its effects and labeling. That's it. 
Um, I'll talk about that more in the, in, as, as we go into that series, but, um, there is within the human experience, there is this hunger in some people to know God. And these are the people that get attention from heaven. Uh, the first and I think essential biblical narrative of this is um, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. That is the uh, the the essential uh, teaching story. Jacob and Esau. Esau just is not that interested. Do you see? Um, I mean, he's kind of religious, he, but he, he's really a man among men. He's a he's a type A. He's a hunter and. A, you, you understand what I'm saying, a gatherer of soldiers. And and Jacob is more, I don't know, perhaps reflective, and he's certainly not as much of a type A. And he, I don't know, is just maybe not a man's man like Esau is. But the, the unique thing about him is that he actually is open and more, he is hungry for the spirit realm. So let's just ask ourselves, how, how hungry are you really to have access to the realm of the spirit, the realm of God's spirit and the heavenly spirits and the angelic realm. Uh, and yes, the demonic realm. How, how um, is there any hunger in you to have a relationship with God, uh, a, a, a gradual learning and knowing um, of his heart? Um, if you fall into Esau's group, I, I'm not trying to say you're good or bad by my standards. I, 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 you know, in the story of Esau and Jacob, um, I mean, forgive me for saying it, but Jacob looks like the bad guy, not Esau. Esau looks like a straight shooter. Esau looks like a guy who does do what he says he, he's going to do. Um, he uh, stands by his agreements. In fact, show me one time in the Bible where Esau broke an agreement. Not once that I can remember. Now, it's, I didn't study this, but I'm just reflecting on the story from my memory. I'm unaware of any covenant that Esau broke with his brother. Now, the flip side of that is, can we say the same thing of Jacob? Absolutely not. Jacob is seemingly, I can't speak for God, but seemingly he's the bad guy in the story. But he's the covenant holder. Why, why, why? And again, I say why? Because there's something in him that hungers after God. So let me say this to myself. Um, it, it doesn't really matter how religious I grew up. It doesn't really matter how um, spiritual my grandmother was. You get the idea here. The, 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 it doesn't even matter how, you know, if I'm the best guy on in the group. Um, all that... All that matters in terms of stewardship, all of that matters in terms of testimony, and yes, all of that matters in terms of pleasing God with my life, my offering. Um, but in terms of whether or not I'm a spiritual person, it's almost as though that that's all secondary. If I if if I haven't a desire to to know him, if I if there's not some part of me that hungers for the the spirit realm and God's will um, connected between the realm of God and the realm of humanity. Um, 
these other things become secondary things because I haven't a hunger. So how hungry are you? Um, I want to read a scripture here and I, I confess to you when I read this earlier today, it, I honestly felt like that I had been slapped because I, I never appreciated the scripture. I've read all around it and I'll show you what I'm talking about. I'm going to go to um, Isaiah 64. And here I, I've got this text here for you. Isaiah 64. And we're going to start right down here. Um, and this is, I've preached from this. Uh, I love this. I love this passage. Oh, that thou would rend the heavens. Isaiah is so hungry for God that you would come down, that the mountains would shake at your presence as fire burns brushwood. Just think of a, a roaring fire across, across a de- uh a brush covered desert or something like that. As fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. Let me turn the page here and reset so you can follow me. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down, the mountains shook at your presence. Can you guys hear the hunger, the zeal in Isaiah? For since the beginning, and this is what I want you to see, I want you to see verse number four. For since the beginning of the world, the world, men have not heard or perceived by the ear, nor has any eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. When I read that, I, 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 I honestly, it was just like the Bible had slapped me. Prayer was chosen by God. In some manner, his kingdom is uh, emboldened to break through to this realm we live in by our passionate waiting. And again, that has connotations of more than patience. It has the connotations, which you'll see all through the Bible of when somebody waits on the Lord. It's not a passive waiting, it's an active waiting. Okay, so that's a whole Bible study in itself. It's a problem of translation to get this nuance. But imagine someone in prayer, and I think you will get closer to what we understand of as referring to wait upon the Lord. It's not a passive waiting. It's an active waiting. Imagine the person in prayer. I believe you're going to make a difference, Lord. I trust you to work in this circumstance. I am not going to be silent, nor am I going to give up, but I am going to celebrate your power. I'm going to exalt your name in all the heavens and all the earth, O Lord. It is an active waiting. God has chosen, and from the beginning, he has established there's no other God except him who will work, who will be motivated, um, enjoined, uh, commissioned, uh, included, pick your poison here, (laughs) to work for the person who waits or actively prays with patience, seeks with longing, knocks with diligence, the active waiting upon the Lord. Neither hath the eye seen a God beside thee who worketh for him that waiteth for him. These fundamental truths of prayer are 
they cannot be uh, forgotten. They cannot be laid aside. Uh, we must be uh, people of prayer. It is fundamental. It's not something we log as a bragging competition. It's not who spent the most time, who prayed the loudest. It's not the Pharisee meta game of prayer because the Pharisees always have a game upon a game and their game is pretend righteousness before the people. Um, that is not what we're talking about in prayer. Prayer is a hunger, a seeking, a passionate reach toward heaven. Uh, let me talk real briefly about a few things that we know from prayer. And I'm, I'm not going to go as long tonight. I'm trying to get where I keep it around 30 minutes. Um, in other words, my goal is not to talk uh, beyond your interest. My goal is to leave you with the energy to think about what was said. Okay, so if prayer puts God to work here on earth, we read this scripture together. If prayer puts God to work here on earth, what does prayerlessness do? I think prayerlessness is a type of disinvitation to God to work in your life. Let me say that again. If prayer is an invitation for God to work in your life from the beginning, there's no other God but you, O Lord who've chosen to work like this, that you will actively work for the person who is actively waiting, asking, seeking, knocking upon you. If prayerfulness is this invitation to God, what is prayerlessness? I feel like it has to be a disinvitation to God. So let me say it differently. There's something in my life that is a real difficulty and I'm not praying about it. It's like disinviting God to work in my life, in my heart. If prayer moves God to show forth his power here on earth, let's ask the question, what does prayerlessness do? Does it do the opposite? Does it move God to withhold his power, his demonstration here on earth? Are we content to live as creatures of blind fate and uncertain circumstance, not seeking the name of the Lord, not continually inviting the Lord to show up in my need and demonstrate his power in my life. What does it do when we disinvite God? Because that is what logically with uh, careful consideration of these truths, I feel like is happening when we do not pray about our needs, uh, if prayer moves God to involvement and he has chosen it from the beginning and has made himself unique from all the false gods by saying this, I will be moved to work for the person who waits on me. Um, what is it like when we won't ask him for help? Could it be that a denial of prayer is a denial of God himself? It's as if we shut the door in God's face, uh, as if to say, we've got this down here. We don't need you. It's a heavy subject, but it's an important one. Um, we know biblically, and again, I won't go through all the stories, scriptures, etc. You guys have you, you guys can do that. Um, there's a lot in the scripture about it. Prayer affects three uh, spheres of spiritual, or let me say it this way, three spheres of existence. It, it affects the divine. A prayer affects God. Secondly, prayer affects the spirit world. The, uh, the contest of 
created beings um, that we only perceive through a glass darkly, yet through biblical instruction, uh, we have clear uh, insight, at least to a certain extent, into. So the divine, the angelic realm, and then finally, the human realm. How does prayer affect the human realm? realm. Prayer is the potter's will that will change you over time as God's presence um, rushes against you continually, continually. The potter's will turns and God's presence uh, touches you. Um, I had a, a one of the, uh, oh, I don't know if I should tell on her or not. Um, a wonderful uh, lady whom you knew, you all know, <laughs> uh, sent me this testimony Sunday about how there's uh, one of her grandkids' boyfriends is just a real jerk and has caused her so much trouble. And she said that he's getting baptized at the cowboy church and he had invited her to come. And she said, how could I be mad about going to see him baptized? How can I be so carnal? <laughs> she said, he has put me through seven levels of Hades, and now he wants me to come to his baptism. How can I not have a better spirit about that? A few minutes later, I got another. This is all while I'm preaching. You know, a few minutes later, I get another text. Uh, <laughs> Y'all forgive me. Sister Diane, I love you. You're like a second mom to me. I get another text. Yeah, there's the secret. <laughs> I get another text. How can I have such a bad spirit? I've served God my whole life. This guy's caused me seven levels of Hades. And I and how can I have such a bad spirit that I'd be excited he's getting baptized? A few minutes later. <laughs> Nathan, I'm sorry. I can't believe I had this bad of an attitude. Uh, now, later on, I'm preaching over at C3. I get another text. I saw him baptized and it was beautiful and the Lord touched my heart so much. And I'm so thankful. What <laughs> Prayer changes us, guys. Prayer changes us. You're on the potter's wheel. The hand, the presence of God touches you as you pray and pray and pray and pray. And you are formed and made. So prayer affects the, the divine God. It affects the angelic and it affects you. And these three um, arenas of life are 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 uh, areas in which we um, we are connected, like it or not. Uh, we are connected, and we grow, learn, or we um, miss something and suffer um, in these in these areas. But prayer is uh, absolute, absolute, uh, fundamental. A part of being spiritual people. It is absolutely necessary. How am I doing on time? All right, I'm going to wrap it up quickly here. Um, prayer is uh, not only a duty, it is a privilege. It is not only a command, um, it is a privilege. It is not only an obligation, it is a privilege. If I do not pray, it won't matter if I say amen loudly, I will suffer weakening faith. If I do not pray, my ability to love people unlike me will uh, suffer. Uh, if I do not pray, my influence to divine power will grow dimmer and dimmer. Uh, this isn't a formula. This isn't 
truth as a type of calculus where once you're done with the formula, you understand it all. This is truth with the mystery still in it. Um, and uh, that's something you'll hear me talk about more in the future, too. Um, that This is truth with the mystery still in it, not a modern post-enlightenment mindset where we can give it a label and give it a five-step process, and now there's no more mystery. No, that's just self-deception. Prayerlessness in our life excludes God. It disinvites God from working in a miraculous manner in our needs, because even if he did help us, because we haven't asked him, we wouldn't give him credit for it. And because he will not let flesh glory in his presence. Do you see? You see how this is going? It is as though we reject his solution because we have settled uh, for prayerlessness. First uh, Timothy 2 and 8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, not just men. This is King Jamesian. So uh, that all people would pray everywhere. If I will be a person of prayer, it will affect my attitudes. I am able to pray and circle uh, through all of the, the flywheel of human emotions uh, and still be a person of prayer. I can experience faith and fervency and sincerity and humility and perseverance. And those are all positive. I can also experience doubt and fear and frustration and irritation. But if I won't stop praying, I will cycle through all that flywheel of human emotion. And over time, that heart of seeking his will and his way will change my attitudes and I will find that it is much more natural for me to live in the positive attitudes of prayer than it is the negative attitudes of prayer. Let me say it differently. Imagine a uh, uh, a contest and on one side you have the positive emotions uh, that I'm capable of that testify of God and his goodness and holiness. And I'm also capable of negative emotions that testify of, of my, you know, malignant self-interest uh, flaws, my narcissism, my selfishness, my impatience, my no suffering, non-kindness to anybody. There's both within me and there, and the game is going back and forth. The game is going back and forth. The game is going back and forth. It's called, there's a word for it. It's called life. Yeah, you knew that word. It's going back and forth. How do I decide which team I am going to join? Well, I'll tell you, if I will be a person of prayer, I will put the negativity within myself on notice that I have chosen a certain way of being, a style of living, a life choice. Prayer does that for me. We pray. We examine ourselves. We confront our, confront our sins. We consecrate our lives. How do we do that? Prayer. Don't disinvite God from your life through prayerlessness. Don't give God a cold shoulder through prayerlessness. Don't go through difficult times and not pray about it. You're disinviting God. God has chosen from the beginning to be known as the God, the only God who moves in response to those who wait upon him. God has chosen from the beginning to be this kind of a God. He moves. He is moved by the people who wait upon him. So why aren't you praying about the stuff keeping up you at, keeping you up at night? Why am I not praying about it? Let's not disinvite God from our life. Hebrews 5 and 7. This is Jesus, the only righteous one who has ever lived, who in the days of his flesh 
when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death was heard in that he feared. He still died and he still prayed. Even when he wasn't getting what he wanted, he poured himself out as flesh to deity, as temporal to the eternal, how much more should we? And finally, I want to end by reminding you of the power of prayer. It has a mighty influence and impact about God, number one. It has a mighty impact and influence upon the church, number two. And here's the surprise, it, through praying people, has an impact upon the world. It's not an impact that you can always see through your carnal eyes. It's not a kind of impact that the news writes about because that doesn't sell newspapers. Why? It doesn't appeal to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, or the pride of life. In all newspaper stories or media stories or TV stories must appeal to one of those vanities. Um, and so, uh, prayer, nonetheless, changes the world. Uh, prayer change, can change God's mind even. At least that's what the Bible shows us. Prayer can move his hand. Prayer can bring down blessings that are, wait for it, even a surprise to him. Read the story of Jesus where he's surprised by the faith that people have when they ask him for something. They're asking him for something. They're asking him for something with great faith. And even God is surprised. This is the power of prayer. Prayer can revive the church. Yes, prayer can awaken the saints. Prayer can convert the sinner. And on and on we go in the Bible. Abraham, Moses, Hannah, Elijah, Daniel, and on and on. More recent generations of great missionary individuals, David Brainerd, John Wesley, and on and on. Uh, let me end by reading Jeremiah 33 and 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Man, I, I don't know about you, uh, but uh, I want to do better than I've ever done. Um, I want to pray more sincerely than I've ever prayed. And um, I'm checking right now the um, the room here, and I, I, I see a question that this, this actually is a, a very, very um, helpful question. I'm, I'm so glad you asked it, my sister. Um, the question is, what is the best way uh, to pray? And um, I... I, first of all, want to acknowledge that this demonstrates a heart that cares. Um, if you didn't care, <laughs> uh, you, you would never ask a question like that. What is the best way uh, to pray? Let me answer it maybe in a little bit of a surprising way that might, uh, I don't know. I hope it doesn't disappoint, but I, it's going to make a point. Um, here is the surprise. There's really no bad way to pray. If it's sincere, and if it is uh, submitted, in other words, you're directing it to God, there's no, there's no bad way to pray. Um, I, I would say the 
there, there's a lot of different ways that you can learn to pray that are helps. Um, we have gone through many of them in early prayer. Uh, we've done stuff where we pray the scripture. We've done, we've prayed the tabernacle plan. Um, uh, we've prayed the prayer of Jabez. Um, we've, there's, there's a lot of examples that we can use. My, my favorite true story that I, I'll do more than the other is to pray the Lord's prayer as far as a model. Um, prayer is, is, is not so much about, in other words, let me, let me, let me, let me say it differently. I want you to pray without fear. Don't pray. Don't pray with a worry that you're getting it wrong. Um, there, there really isn't a way to get it wrong. Um, as long as you're sincere, as long as you are open to the Lord, any type, any type of prayer um, is good. Now, now, let's talk about how to pray best. The best way to pray is to pray in the spirit. <laughs> I don't mean in tongues. That sometimes that's a very valid way of praying. But what I say praying in the spirit, I mean pray where the spirit is directing your prayer, where there is a sense of movement. So the quicker you can worry about the con the quicker you can stop worrying about the context and you're doing it right or wrong, and the quicker you can just get into his presence through praise and worship. There is a flow to prayer where you are in not just a monologue, but you are in a dialogue. You, As you pray, the Lord brings things to your mind. Uh, you are now led in prayer. And what that when, when that happens, I think this is as is, is close as the way I could say to uh, to answer it. Um, that, that I think is the prayer that is led by the Holy Spirit is probably the best prayer. But the only way to get there is to worry less and worship more. Um, I like the way that sounded. Let me, let me say that again. The best prayer is going to be spirit-led prayer. Spirit-led prayer. But the only way to get there is to worry less about whether or not you're saying everything right. And worry more about being caught up in an atmosphere of praise and worship. Um, and so that, that's how I'd answer that question. And I had one other question here about praying out loud. Should we pray out loud? To which I would say, yes, sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, sometimes. Should you pray quietly? Absolutely. Yes, sometimes. Um, the point is not format. Um, the point is an attitude of prayer. And there are times when there's no substitute for praying out loud. Um, I find, and I'll just give my personality. Now, my personality is different than yours. And so this is not a hard and fast rule. Um, Lord, save us from preachers who have one way that everybody's supposed to do everything. Um, this is for my personality. Whenever I am fighting fear and uncertainty, it helps me to pray out loud and speak against that fear. That's my personality. Um, so for me, when I'm fighting something in the spirit, the more my prayer feels like a battle, the more likely I am to be praying out loud. And the more my prayer feels like a lean back against his presence, kind of, you know, underneath is the everlasting arms. Come, let us reason together. The more it feels like that, the less likely I am to pray out loud. And that's my personality that that may or may not work for you. Um, but uh, you, you, 
the, the best answer I would say is yes, sometimes. Um, praying out loud is the only way to get it right sometimes. But you shouldn't feel like it's a rule that you have to do. Um, and so I hope that helps you. Um, I, 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 I'll stop here. I, let me just say, I, I, I appreciate you all. Thank you for your time. Uh, let me pray over you before we go. Lord Jesus, I pray your blessing upon to everyone who is partaking of this uh, Bible study together. Um, we've covered a lot of things. We've talked about a lot of things. Um, we've read several passages of scripture. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would let it find good soil in our heart, the seed of the word, and let it grow into something spiritually productive, Lord, that we would be people of prayer, that we would move heaven and move earth uh, by being people of prayer. You are the Lord who is known among all by known among all the prophet says as the one who will answer the prayer of those no no other one has been seen who will do this it's you O lord no other eye hath seen no other ear hath heard it's you O lord you're the only one who is moved to act for those people who will wait upon you and so we give you our needs and we actively seek your involvement and we commit to give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you all. We love you. Have a great week in Jesus' name. Remember our service times, uh, our what church websites, um, all of that is readily available to you, firstchurchclt.com uh, uh, and um, uh, Christ Community Church in Concord. Um, we would love to connect with you. Have a great week in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.